Welcome to the Weekly Notebook Review. I am Robert McGrorty. This podcast takes on a bit of a different format where we are live each week on Twitter Spaces. I crack open my notebook and review Hedgeye research with anyone who wants to learn a better way to invest. We feature both Hedgeye power users as well as some special guests that might pop in. If you want to learn more about our research, visit Hedgeye.com. If you'd like to participate in the live stream, follow me on Twitter at HedgeyeRJM. Now, let's review the data. Good afternoon, everyone. It is March 29th. The Bulls got game 60 on the board. And uh, we're going to get into the weekly notebook review here in a minute. So we'll let folks kind of trickle in. George, it's a pleasure to see you. Arthur, Rod, Pokey. The list is endless. A lot of great friendly faces. So thank you for taking the time for to join us. If you're new to the weekly notebook review, this is the time where we uh, go through our notebook and review kind of the data that we put into it and the assessments we were making coming into the week and how things have changed or shifted uh, here midweek and what that means for uh, the setup going into the back half of this week, next week, next month. And now we're into uh, next quarter, you know, back half of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, April is uh, crazy enough. Uh, First day of April from a trading perspective will be Monday, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Q2 is now upon us. Uh, depending on how you measure yourself. Uh, Gavin had a really great commentary a few weeks ago about uh, quarters, right? So he assesses himself from a football standpoint or, or basketball, what have you, and on a quarterly uh, quarterly basis. Some might do it on a game-by-day, more of a basketball-oriented standpoint. You know, how do you do today versus yesterday versus preparing for tomorrow and, and winning that championship at the end of the season? I think regardless of how you think about it, um, being disciplined and and having your process and, and building that out is uh, truly key to successful uh, investing and to, to managing these markets. They can be very challenging, very choppy, uh, as you uh, kind of saw today. Um, again, depends on on your time, you know, time frame, time horizon. But certainly, was uh, not a day to do nothing out there. Uh, volatility uh, got down to uh, uh, pretty darn close to the low end of the risk range. Missed it by about. Uh, two basis points. So that loan of the risk range on the VIX was 1909 this morning and uh, closed here today at 19 spot one one. So uh, that uh, that definitely is an interesting dynamic. Um, again, this is the kind of first time we got back into that uh, sub 20, the low end of the chop bucket. That chop bucket, for those that aren't familiar, would be from the 19 to 29 range. And uh, conversely, uh, you know, that means you're, it's a chopping market, right? So investable bucket. Uh, is 19 and below, and then the F bucket is uh, north of 29. Uh, the top end of that risk range this morning has come in over the last few days, so it was just inside of 26 this morning, so it was a bit big lower high uh, coming into the day, and I, I suspect that's going to kind of continue to um, uh, signal that tomorrow as we get that updated range, but it certainly had been uh, up near the the top end of the chop bucket and and uh, poked its head over that 30, 30 level as well. So just keep keep an eye on, on those. I think uh, Keith Keith certainly uh, alluded to uh, or or question or put the question out there to Hedge Eye Nation this morning in the top three things in regards to what did you do last time the Vixen uh, was you know sub twenty five or, or certainly had a twenty four handle on it. And, uh, and, and what, how did you act? How did you, you know, what positioning did you made? Were you, were you bearish enough? Did you, uh, put on the positions you wish to, did you have regret, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, I think for those that listened into the quarterly themes call, the Q2 quarterly themes, macro themes call this this morning at 11. If you didn't didn't uh, get a chance to do that, that's for macro pro and institutional investors uh, only. So that's a, a special special event for them. I'll put a link up at the top in the in the in the um, tw- in the nest here uh, for for those that that may be interested in in getting access to that. But uh, regardless. I was certainly, uh, you know, I think it was all over uh, my feet, at least. It was a lot of bear porn in there. But there's also a lot of bullish components as well, you know, bullish gold, bullish duration, uh, adding kind of, you know, TLT, the longer end of the curve, markets and mayhem. And I uh, and a few others uh, uh, talked about that on Tuesday's Wolf Financial uh, call, uh, call spaces session. So if you uh, didn't get a chance to listen to that, there's a lot of great commentary there. It was at noon yesterday. Uh, so go take go check a look take a look a little bit different certainly than the notebook review in terms of subject matter but we definitely reviewed you know the longer end of the curve uh, duration uh, pricing in recession risk rising with the the two year uh, you know staying more in line with with no cut pal right so no no Fed cuts uh, on on the horizon at least in our view that's what the uh, that's what the the risk range is also uh, signaling signaling where it's uh, it's narrowing. So 64 basis points wide this morning. And, uh, and yeah, so those are a couple of things that I just wanted to get out there uh, for those um, uh, listening in. If anybody wants to jump up and, and speak or share, uh, happy, happy to have some company up here. I don't need to be doing a bunch of uh, monologues and discussion points, but I will certainly keep rolling as we, uh, as we get going here. Um, so the other components, obviously, this morning – and today, we uh, commodities is a big one. Again, with gold on one side, the the you know if you're long uh, gold or precious metals, silver, uh, platinum, uh, those would be two two long exposures we'd be having on the long side, and conversely on the short side, uh, you know copper is neutral at the moment, but it certainly would be kind of taking a look at uh, at shorting that on the short side. But a no brainer there on the short side would be would be crude oil. And that was right at the, you know, pretty darn close to the top of the risk range today as well. Where did that end up finishing up? Uh, CL7281, not quite the top of the range, uh, but yeah, 7427. Um, yeah, 7427. So, but yeah, but again, so another, you know, if it sticks around here next day or two, you know, that'd be a, a big time lower high. So that'd be uh, very bearish for crude. And uh, I think that's certainly something that I'm keeping a keen eye on. Uh, also watching that volatility component. So OVX, it has dripped, dripped a little bit lower here down into the you know, low 40s, 43. Uh, but it's got a long way to go to get back into uh, that kind of range bound crude oil pricing where it was really kind of between 70 and what was that, like 70 and 80 or 70 and 85. We were talking about that level for, for quite a while, 70, uh, 70 to kind of 80. 82, 71 to 82 range for uh, about the last three months. So um, that that level or that kind of sustained ban was certainly with OVX kind of sub 40. So keep an eye on that. You know, it's, it is almost there. And I think that could be a really telling sign. I've said this many times on, on the Weekly Notebook Review, Beginner's Guide, uh, across the board, uh, you know, wherever I speak. And, and I really have uh, adapted it from Keith because he's a great coach. Is uh, 
is volatility, um, sorry, when volatility leaves an asset or starts to get removed or kind of shrinks away or volatility, however you want to bloody say that, um, you know, capital gets attracted to it. So, uh, with, you know, with VIX down to 19, OVX down at 43, uh, GBZ down at 17 spot 77, uh, Vixen at 20, you know, 23 and change, you know, capital is drawn to those, even the move with the move, uh, the move was down a little bit too at 150 and, and a half. Uh, so again, you know, capital gets drawn to those when, when volatility comes out of those assets, but the, then it becomes, okay, what is the, you know, what is the setup? What does the future look? Uh, what is the quad setup in our, in, in terms of the hedge eye framework and that recession risk rising is absolutely, um, a critical piece here. I mean, I think, you know, you're about to get some uh, Q1 earnings are kind of around the corner over the next three to four weeks, really some of the big boys. Uh, and, and that's going to be a telling sign, you know, where, where they stand. You had Lululemon um, report yesterday after market, uh, obviously kind of uh, surprised at the upside, uh, really, I guess. Uh, but the inventories were building. So again, you know, what is that going to mean for the consumer? What's the shape of the consumer in? Certainly the data that we're seeing, and I don't want to give too much away from the Q3, Q2 macro themes call, but that data um, is, is, is no bueno, as one might say. So in terms of not only the consumer and the increased uh, need to leverage their kind of uh, credit and credit cards in order to fund their life and lifestyle, uh, but so again, um, these are all a lot of different data points out there that are kind of going, uh, going negative and, uh, the recession risk, again, I'm just going to keep saying that it's, it's less about inflation at this point. Uh, although the fed is obviously focused on that, but it's uh, much more about the recession risk rising. And you can, uh, you can see that being starting to get priced in, in the, in the longer end of the curve. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to just take a little break here. Again, uh, you know, Pokey, I see you out there. George, Syracuse, if you want to come up, uh, it doesn't really matter who, who, uh, who wants to come up. We can uh, we can keep on rolling. I've got eyeball to talk about, lots of other stuff like China. Uh, but give me one second here. <clears throat> All right, so the other uh, big theme here, and, and obviously is in the in the headline. Um, of this of this uh, space is is China. I think it's the big uh, big panda bear in the room. Tease a little bre- levity. Uh, so the or dragon, maybe we can call it the golden dragon. Uh, but the the China. I mean, it's uh, the quad one data certainly keeps rolling in. Um, the 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 local market again. I'm not trying to just kind of reiterate what Keith said on the macro show this morning, but I think it is uh, you know very very critical and it's the reason why he highlighted it uh, it was certainly something that was being highlighted in my notebook over the weekend and uh and the price action is is confirming that so um again you know uh, really important to to be speaking about this uh you know baba's got a six um six for one stock split and you, you got the 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 shanghai the local index not acting exactly like kind of the, the U.S. listed in the, in the Hang Seng, but at the same time, you're getting the quad one data that's rolling in. And we actually uh, added some exposure to Taiwan today. So I think that that's an interesting aspect um, in ETF Pro. So if you didn't, uh, if you didn't uh, see that, it should be in your inbox, uh, ETF Pro and investing ideas or some changes that we made to those. But at the same time, the, uh, the Hang Seng, I think it's really, Hang Seng's kind of ho- hovering right around the, the trend line. So 
uh, you know, typically you'd want to see that trend line turn into uh, support. It has not, you know, it's been kind of flirted up here with it uh, for the last, call it, week or so. And you really want to kind of have see that trend line turn into support and and have a recapture of that bullish momentum. I think uh, it'll be, you know, SS&C still is bullish trend. And uh, we would be kind of looking to add some exposure uh, even on the K-Web side. So uh, these are all things that are kind of uh, uh, interesting dichotomies that are happening out there from a, uh, really the only country. And, and primarily it's, if you kind of want to know the why, it's because of the very, well, they're just coming out of basically COVID restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, they're in that kind of consumer growth phase. And it's not on the industrial side. And you're seeing that inside of the uh, commodity prices. And again, that's why one of the reasons why uh, we were kind of looking to see uh, looking to see if copper confirms uh, its sort of you know bearish trend because the industrial side in China does not look like the consumer side of China and uh, Felix Wang who I actually had the pleasure of sitting down with uh, last last week during our sector head spotlight discussion I reiterated the same thing you know you're seeing the data in terms of out of China uh, and the luxury goods uh, it's absolutely accelerating it was a big Q1 theme for him. And it's uh, and it's been absolutely uh, spot on. You're seeing you're seeing the travel component, the the desire to travel. The COVID restrictions have been lifted. You don't even have to kind of quarantine or feel. Like, you know, he, he was saying that it, it used to be a pain in order to come back to the country because you had to quarantine and and do all this other stuff. Now it's all those restrictions have been lifted, so it's very easy for folks to travel um, in and out of China now. And and I think you're seeing that data flow through. You know, Todd Jordan has talked about it in terms of the data that's uh, coming into Macau, et cetera, et cetera. But um, look for kind of a, some of these these travel and leisure um, stocks or, or equities to, <clears throat> especially the ones that have Chinese factor exposure, to be uh, to to, per, to perhaps outperform. Uh, anything else that we're seeing out there, certainly within the, the U.S. equity base. So I uh, just want to touch base on China as well. And, yeah, I think that was a pretty good rundown. Um, eyeball data, you know, one of the call-outs this morning that, that I, I, I circled or highlighted was uh, XLB, uh, GLD, and IEF. So, again, if you uh, have that data, if you wrote those down or kind of made note of those, uh, that those are kind of some of the ones that – that stuck out to me, um, so just wanted to kind of share that. I think the U.S. dollar correlations um, are, have been kind of interesting, and with this recent dollar weakness, you're seeing uh, those correlations kind of strengthen um, a bit. Uh, today, the dollar uh, was stronger with uh, with the market even up, so an interesting component there. Perhaps that U.S. dollar correlation between SPX uh, will continue to break down as it has over the last sort of uh, 90 to 120 days. It's only at a negative 0.23 on a 15-day correlation standpoint right now versus negative 0.76 on a 120-day correlation. Um, that, that gold correlation, though, uh, is staying um, stronger or elevated. Uh, so it's still at a, a negative 0.87 on a 15-day minus 0.8 on a 30-day and uh, minus 0.84 in a 90-day. So again, th- that had been kind of breaking down a little bit in in uh, about two weeks ago, I guess it was. Uh, but it's it's sort of that correlation that has picked up. So uh, that's going to, you know, the gold uh, is really going to be uh, more of a play on the real rates. And then, you know, it, but if that breakdown does continue to happen, then uh, keep keep a keen eye on, eye on that because a traditional quad four environment, you're going to get, you're going to see kind of dollar strength 
gold strength and uh, longer duration bond strength as well. So uh, just wanted to kind of call it that, 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 uh, that correlation. Interestingly enough, the, uh, the commodity correlation on the U.S. dollar has turned positive. Uh, so it's at a plus uh, 0.31 on a 15-day. Now, if you go back probably you know, back to mid-February, so let's just see here, February 22nd, which was a random date in my notebook, uh, that CRB correlation on a 15-day was minus 0.43 and uh, minus 0.79 on a 30-day. So that uh, that's now looking at uh, uh, plus 0.31 and plus 0.43. So again, these are uh, these are kind of things to notice. So that was about a month ago. Those correlations uh, did look differently than they than they do today. Uh, so um, hopefully that is helpful. Pokey, how you doing, man? Could you tell I was getting? I'm, I'm good. Could you tell I was getting kind of like uh, it was a little weirded out just talking to myself up here. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> I mean, I can keep going. I can keep going. I have no problems with it, but I don't think that's what people really tune in for. They tune in for it, it, no, it is it, <laughs> objective. Objectively, it is right, and and for for someone that hops up every now and then, you it's it can be intimidating because there are such great and impressive people in this in this group. I'm looking down the list of of people that you know that speak regularly and, and it's intimidating. First, you don't want to sound like an idiot. And second, you want to bring something of value. You don't want to just, you just don't want to come up and ramble like I'm doing right now. Um, the thing that, it's, it's the thing that stuck right? out, to, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's okay. No, but yeah. No, yeah. Well, you know, I, I live in DC, so I, I, I've, I've been around that for a little while. Um, you know, the, the thing that really stuck out to me is the past couple of days is just really how, how market volume has kind of dropped off a cliff. Um, you know, today is probably a little stronger. Today is much stronger than yesterday, but nothing, nothing really out there. And you know, Mike Taylor had a tweet before that said a lot of the a lot of the ETF volume was coming from rebalancing. Um, I, I just think that if you look, this looks very the setup in volume looks really similar to going back to the end of February. And I, I think people are just kind of sitting on their hands, waiting to see what happens and for the next couple of days. But I, I think. I haven't seen today's um, the macro deck yet, but I would I would imagine that starting in February, you know, things are going to start to fall off the cliff relatively quickly. And I went back to and I was listening to was rethinking about what Steiner talked about a couple of days ago on the call with the two months before the last what happened to the market the two months before the last time we had a uh, a debt crisis and how the market fell apart. Like I think the number was twelve percent, and you can just it, the things that I'm looking. At, yeah, you can start to see how it's you know the tide's starting to come out, and uh, you know we might be we might be seeing a real big regime change relatively quickly here. Yeah, the volume component is a, is a great call out. Even today, it was I was looking kind of at the end uh, around three thirty, and it was pretty anemic. Um, <clears throat> so not surprising that uh, I did I missed that Taylor tweet, but uh, not surprising that. Um, you know, he, he's seeing, he's saying that a lot of it's coming from, you know, month end quarter end rebalance. And, and that is a component here, right. And the liquidity, I think, you know, thousand air FX has mentioned that on a couple of the last, you know, sorry, a couple of times in the last couple of weeks on, on the notebook review where, you know, what, you know, basically this liquidity, it could be a bit of a double edged sword where a lot of folks are putting their money into the money market accounts or CDs or six months treasuries, one year treasuries, two year treasuries. And, and that money, that liquidity is getting kind of tied up in those assets. So uh, is that, is that a component or a, a small piece of, of what's transpiring from a liquidity standpoint? Perhaps, I don't know. Right. Folk? But um, it's definitely the volume was absolutely uh, 
a, a key thing here. And I, and I think one, one big reason why, why coach was kind of going to the wood on, on a lot of the shorts that we, we like and that have worked um, over the last sort of 15 months and, and that we see, or maybe new to the board and, and that we see, um, are, uh, are kind of have a, have a tough outlook here from, uh, um, moving forward. So I think a big example would be even X, XLK, uh, that volume, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on commenting XLK. I don't know if that volume that I'm seeing is actually accurate, but, um, IBB was another one where that one was added on, on ETF pro and, and, uh, inside RTA today. Uh, so definitely it was up, uh, up pretty big up, uh, what 1.4%, I think is what I'm seeing on, uh, on again, kind of uh, below average, uh, volume. So definitely. Yeah. Definitely okay. Yeah. I track, I track the volumes against the, the, the last 15 days. So for the trade average and I have, I have XLK at about 70, between 77, 78%, depending on what happens in after hours, uh, okay. versus the last 15 days. So you're not seeing a ton of stuff, but IWM, right, cool. IWM half the volume today, 53% so far, you wow. know, there's, it's, there's some big, there's some big disparities, uh, you know, disparities there. Um, I'll be really interested. I wouldn't be surprised if, if coach says tomorrow that, you know, the, the, uh, the bear shit basket went up more than, um, if he calls that out five percent or whatever four percent yeah yeah and you know yeah. nothing, it wasn't major today but a couple of things i'm looking at like you know like some of the stuff that's just it it's it, it went up a little bit more like it's not a it wasn't aggressive like you know gamestop a couple of days ago but um i wouldn't be surprised if, if he mentions that in passing tomorrow yep no good call out i mean go down the list and even the the magma names plus uh n squared so plus netflix and nvidia I mean, pretty much everything just went to the top end of the range, uh, 161. Yeah, I mean, just go down the board. It was pretty – Tesla, yeah, Meta pretty close. Google, not quite there. Yeah. Uh, Netflix right there. Tesla, not quite. And uh, NVIDIA, uh, not quite. But, again, like just, uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah. So, and, yeah. And, 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 and on weaker volume, right? Like NVIDIA's volume, to your point, uh, I'm going to do the math here in a minute, but it looks like about the same, maybe 80%, 85% of uh, – I, I use average 10-day volume, um, just uh, FYI. I don't know. Yeah. Is there a reason why you use 15 just because – or? I, I just no, I just I, I like to have everything kind of just within the trade duration. I, I think that yeah, yeah. for me it works better. But um, I, I rescale some Z scores for like twenty days, so um, yeah. just to give it a, a little more legs. But I there's you know it's the I, um, I forget the what's Buddy was talking about it right when in one of the old interviews with Keith where he was saying why would you use why would you use volume statistics from five years ago for a stock you know that's totally irrelevant that you have to yeah. you have to rescale everything. For for, for the time that you're in right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's a yeah, good call out. Uh, Tim, Brian, welcome. Robert, what's going on, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Uh, better than I deserve. Hey, let's do <laughs> let's do correlations, but let's talk sector correlations because they have right. gone squirrel uh, in in this last last move where you've got, you know, clearly some stuff way outperforming, some stuff way underperforming. Rotation out of tech, back into tech, out of tech, back into tech as we kind of run run the knife's edge here. And the, what you were calling out with the dollar correlation, I think is really interesting because, you know, as these correlations weakened, the whole thing just started kind of going going sideways. And so we had to do these OODA loops in, into and out of these sectors um, to, try and, to try and keep up here. And I'm really looking forward to the part of the game 
it's somewhere out there in front of us where all those correlations go back towards one. Yeah, it's a great call out. Is there any particular sectors that other than tech that you're that you're seeing or that you're kind of interested in at the moment so, or another? So the From way a- that XLK and XLC are getting kind of bumped around, uh, yeah. the lag, the, of course, XLF is like, you know, it, it was just getting whipsawed all around by, you know, what Yellen said like five minutes ago and then retracted <laughs> 10 minutes later. At, um, so I, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It's, that's, that's not, that's not tradable. I don't think, uh, as far as, you know, the, the ups and downs and that correlation. Agreed. But, um, but yeah, those, as we see, like you just called out the magma names as those things drive the XLK, XLC behavior. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, you know, the small caps uh, suck wind again. Uh, I think, you know, we're setting up, you know, like Coach did at the end of the day today, you know, you take advantage of the OODA loop, the opportunity that's presented here, as you guys have already called out on, on low volume to let's let's do it all again, you know, strike up the band, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Tim, I think it's a good, yeah, that's a good uh, point. And uh, all I will preface is that it really, de- it depends, right? Like, um, it depends on where you're coming from, right? So if you already have, if you're kind of uh, short and holding, which I wouldn't necessarily advise in the in the chop bucket, but let's just say that is what you're doing, um, right? And and you know, depending on where you're coming from, uh, will make will impact kind of how aggressive or less aggressive you you are in in a setup like you know, in terms of like following Keith or not following Keith is, is what I'm trying to get at, right? right. So I think paying you know understanding this is where you know uh david salem who's who i can see in the office here and is listening in um you know he and i uh, you know talked about this a couple of weeks ago in terms of um you know building out your own process right and, and mimicking the mindset of of a great investor uh versus the mimicking the moves themselves now I'm not saying that you can't mimic the moves and do it really really well but but to your point, it's like getting you know building that process around you where you're looking at those correlations, you're looking at you know the the volume from poker, you're looking at um, you know the eyeball tables, you're you're looking at a poker. I think it was the eyeball, right? That you called out on the Z scores, and that what you shared today wasn't that eyeball? I think um, and the table doesn't matter. But my point is, is building that process yes. around it, right? And building out your portfolio accordingly. And yeah, I mean, if uh, if you don't have a lot of short exposure on at the moment i mean this is uh this this rally to you know recent new high so i'll just pull up the cues right so that is uh oh we're oh baby we're right in line right just the, the smidgen there's such a smidgen above that february 2nd high um so yeah i mean this is uh this is hell, a hell of a setup tim and yeah. i've been uh it's getting me excited you know it, it timing does. is everything, though, and inc- incrementally, incrementally, because yes. you got to be, you know, the got to be conscientious because there are there are earnings in on the horizon, and you never know how that might play out. Yeah, we don't do the all or nothing thing, and if you and if you do Correct. want to shorten hold, and I do have a portion of a book that is short and is there for the long haul, but there's a big chunk. I mean, but that's what the minimum position is there for, and we size that up as we come into this opportunity. I needed to have room to size this up so that I just didn't sit there from the lows riding all the way up, getting my face ripped off. Um, yep. And, and, yeah. now, and now I'm a little bigger than I was at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week even. 
and some of these things. And some of my longs are a little bit smaller incrementally than they were at the beginning of the week. And we'll see what happens. If it blasts higher, then we have the room to read and react and adjust. And if it goes lower, take profits. Yep. Yep. That's, yep, that's absolutely. For me, that was something that's changed over the last three or four months is understanding when we're in this top bucket, like Keith always says it, but you don't really I, – I didn't internalize enough that you've got to take that off the table. If you get to the low end of the range, take it back off the table and wait for it to set and, up again. And sometimes it's not even going all the way to the low end of the range, right? Like it's – Right. It's you take – you know, if it's up, you know, a percent or two or even just, a, you know, again – I. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage everyone listening in to think about it more from a standard deviation move. If you're up like one standard deviation from, or, or what have you, then, you know, take, take some off the table, right? Like make, make decisions yeah. around those probable outcomes and probable ranges. Well, that goes to process, right? Whether you're using <laughs> 50% of the range as your target or 70% yep. of the range as your target, you, you need to have a target and be Correct. and either have orders already placed or or be ready to pull the trigger when when things are right because if you just yeah. if you just sit on it, it it could it go your way yeah yeah it could be great is it probably going to do that and no probably not yep and and uh, i've heard or i've certainly i think you you and i spoke about this in dallas when we met um mm-hmm. but in the the, the risk ranges, right. And reviewing things in like, and again, to your point, it's like, you can do it. If you want to look at it in, in thirds or halves or quarters, whatever it is in eights, I don't really give a shit what you look at it for, but, but like, you know, uh, have those, you know, it's a sign of your risk range, have those decision-making tools or sorry, that process in place where if something's at, let's just say that the top third of the, of the risk range, um, then uh, I'll just use GDX as an example. If, if GDX is in the top third of the risk range in a bullish trend, um, you'll make, you know, make a decision there, right? Like lighten up 10, 10 basis points. It doesn't have to be a full 25 or 50 or whatever it is. Uh, but lightening up a little bit and paying yourself, Tim, does give you that flexibility to make that decision conversely uh, when it's perhaps in the lower third of the risk range. And you can add back, you know, five, 10 basis points at a time and, and just basically, you know, uh, rinse and repeat where, where you're maintaining that, that core min to mid position sizing in, in something that's, you know, bullish trade and trend. So a uh, really good call out, Tim. Yep. Uh, Brian, welcome. I mean, uh, let's not let's not give away too much tonight, though, Brian. Right? We gotta get we gotta entice we gotta entice him back tomorrow, <laughs> right? You know, we can't we can't just share everything on weekly notebook. No, gotta save a little bit. You gotta you know you gotta tease him, right? Or is this the tease? Bro? No, no. just just enough to be like, come back for head giant friends. This night? is uh, <laughs> this is just, you know the standard, right? The the kind of the standard here. Uh, now tomorrow, I'm I'm, I'm I'm excited. I got a lot of feedback this weekend for people and. Uh, I'm going to spend some time tomorrow getting my notes together, and I appreciate you work with me on the time. I next week's spring break, so I got to get a haircut and all that kind of junk so I can get out of town. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So for those that don't don't follow me closely enough or follow Brian and I closely enough, uh, he and I are going to have a spaces tomorrow night at seven, is what we said, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, seven, seven Eastern. Uh, so seven p.m. 7 Eastern, uh, it's going to be a space session, Hedge on Friends, focused on muni bonds and fixed income and kind of how to 
uh, think through uh, that setup and incorporating, you know, that decision-making process and adding kind of some fixed income into your own portfolio. And, and, you know, Brian's a, uh, Brian, you even, you even got a shout out on the macro show. I heard. I, I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, should be a really good combo. I, I, I you know, full disclosure, I am going to be on the train, but, uh, it should be, uh, should be a okay. So, um, it, it'll, it'll work. It'll work. We're going to make it work because we love Hedge Eye Nation, right, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, shout out oh, to yeah. everyone who's, you know, reached out with questions. And, um, I've been three weeks on the road meeting with, uh, you know, issuers and getting deals together and stuff. I'm finally, finally back for a week and, uh, did the, the, uh, the macro themes deck today. Uh, there were a couple, you know, there were like three or four slides that were good for some of our clients to see. Um, so, <clears throat> um, no, it was, uh, it, it, it's all good. But did you see my uh, my tweet with my notes uh, for the nest? I will go grab it. I saw it. I saw it briefly. But let me go grab it, Brian, okay? Because uh, I know there's a there's you, you were sharing a um, you had some comments around a new new deal, right? That was out there today. Uh, no, no, no. That that's different. That oh. was just uh, oh, that yeah. Was, that was just okay. me showing how I'll, I'll I did grab secondary. It. I'll go market. grab it, though, Brian. I'll go grab it. Yeah, it's just a. Um, it's got a yellow background just from my outlook notes, but, uh, um, so I'll just go ahead and, and kind of walk through. I know I've been on a lot of the feedback that I get, um, a, a lot of folks need to see it in order to kind of understand it, um, as opposed to just talking about it. So, um, I, all right. So I just grabbed it. It's in the nest. So for those that aren't familiar with spaces, nest, just kind of go, you know, pull down the screen a little bit on whatever you're listening and you'll see Brian's tweet. You can, you can click on it and there's like a, a yellow, uh, yellow image there. Uh, like an old school legal pad. My dad used to use one of those bad boys. Uh, that's outlook yeah, notes, by the way, Robert. Yeah, just so okay, you know. yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith McCullough, and I wanted to introduce you to my favorite product at Hedgeye, The Macro Show. Why is it my favorite product? Well, it's my show. I do that every morning. If you want to get ready for the market day, you want to contextualize all the data, you want to make good decisions, then this is what you should be watching. It's a repeatable process that you can deliberately study, measuring and mapping time series to time series of data. So it's not going headline to headline and getting whipped around. It's actually being so much more dispassionate about it and making good decisions that are data driven. So we'd love to have you on our team. Come join us. Tune in weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and on demand anytime. Go to hedgeye.com slash research to subscribe. So um, Uh, I guess uh, for my, my, you know, the muni bond anxiety meter, I know we got the hedgeye nation anxiety meter, but um, you know, with everything going right with stocks, uh, you know, people are kind of not blowing up the fixed income side right now. Um, although we're, we are seeing a little bit of a rally in uh, some of the, the rates that I monitor, which is kind of, um, it's, it's indicative to me. But first off is SIFMA. So as a reminder, SIFMA is the seven-day weekly tax-exempt rate. Um, so there are a lot of municipal bonds that are out there, and there are also tender option bond programs that uh, issue weekly rate paper. They're purchased by um, funds. They're purchased by money market accounts, and um, we track that rate. Um, and so you can see that I pulled the low end of this year. So January 25th, we were at a 166, and we got all the way up. Uh, to last week at a 435. And just real quick, 
if if you're in the one of the highest tax brackets, say you're 30% federal, so you take a 435 and you divide it by one minus tax brackets, 0.63. That's the equivalent of a 690, 6.9%. So you can see that SIFMA, um, from a, a tax-adjusted perspective, it's just it's gotten really, really high. And now we've reversed and we're starting this uh, a different trend. But um, these leveraged funds that I've um, said that I'm not in and, and wouldn't recommend people um, to be in unless you fully understand the risks and are comfortable. What they do is they set up a, a TOB trust and they just leverage the rate. So they, they go out and they buy, um, you know, 4%, 5% coupon bonds and they want the SIFMA rate to be in the, you know, sub twos and, and make it real generic. They just take that spread and pass it back to the uh, investor in the core fund. But when it gets flipped upside down, then you have problems. And so all of last year, a lot of the bond selling was the unwinding of twos and threes coupons to get to higher coupons as the Fed was raising rates. And uh, I think some people have been a little bit surprised how SIFMA's continued to kind of rise and then come back down and then rise and come back down. Every time we rise, we seem to get a little bit higher. Started in December, and uh, so 435 kind of caught my eye. And um, just to give a, a, a pictorial, I put, you know, what's good for tender option bond leverage and what's bad. So see the reversal. My guess is it will continue. And uh, each time I've seen this reversal, um, we go into a, an equity sell-off mode, at least the last two cycles of this. So it'll be interesting to see. But if you ever wanted to look and see, you know, examples of bonds, um, I post them every once in a while. But I put a, a, a notation that JMST is a JP Morgan fund that uh, invests in these types of bonds. And so you can just go to the holdings and you can see the, the, the actual bonds and the QCIPs and the names of, you know, city of Charlotte types that, that issue these floating rate bonds. Um, number two is uh, uh, NAV for bonds. Um, as you, I've said for a couple of years now, MN. MMIN is um, a fund that I like only because it's insured paper and the insurance companies by default pretty much stay in the essential service column. Most of the funds that you buy when you go through the holdings, you'll find stuff that you wouldn't buy on your own. Um, you know, sales tax driven toll roads, nursing homes, hospitals, just credits that, that I stay away from. Uh, but being insured, you sort of default back. And there is no essential service bond fund out there that I'm aware of. I've scrubbed everything. But um, year to date, the fund is up 2.34% uh, last month, 1.78 in the last five days, uh, up 35 basis points. So, you know, up for the year, I mean, rates are down, um, you know, prices are up, yields go down. And uh, um, I'm just tracking the NAV on that. Uh, point three is the MMD. So, the MMD is an interest rate scale in my world that we use to price bonds. So when we're bringing bonds into the primary market, uh, we, we use that AAA scale as our benchmark. And so I just pull the 10-year uh, rate because most of the time it's non-callable. Uh, we are seeing some seven-year calls, but generically we try to stay to a 10-year par call. So uh, we started the year, January 3rd was the first trading day at a 264. And you can see, as, as I said a while ago in January, we have – dismal supply so a lot of things get gobbled up so we rallied down to about a 219 
And then, uh, you know, through February, we began March 1st at a 259. And then we rallied here to today plus 30. So we're at a, a 229 on MMD. So it just gives you an idea of kind of the, the ups and downs of the tax exempt market from the MMD side. Uh, and then number four, um, I've mentioned this before, but, um, um, I've actually taken a position in it. Uh, so BMN is a newish 2037 target term bond fund. It uh, It's not leveraged, not put yet. So when you read the prospectus, uh, it, it uh, has the ability to go leveraged, but they have not chosen to. So they started the fund at the end of last year. And as I said, SIFMA was higher at the end of, la- end of last year, so they did not put the leverage on, which I like. Um, <clears throat> it's at a time in which there were good credits at good rates to buy. And so you can see I put the distribution yield um, at uh, the $25 price of a four fifty, And so the tax equivalent yield uh, would be a 7.14%. And then I put the formula. So you can take the four and a half and divide it by one minus your tax bracket, your federal tax bracket. So this has bonds all over the country. So if you're like me and you're in Kentucky and there's a four and a half percent state income tax, you're not going to get that benefit. Um, that's why I buy a lot of Kentucky munis and why a lot of people in various states, like if you live in New York and you have a high tax or California, you have a high tax, buying California or New York bonds makes sense. But sometimes you want a fund. And to me, this was a, a pretty good fund. Uh, to uh, take a stab at it has 81 positions and the best information is actually not on BlackRock's website it's on uh, cefconnect.com so I put the little link there and then if you'd like to see the sister fund um, BTT is pretty much the exact same thing it has a different target term date and uh, it's running leveraged and uh, um, so I don't like BTT I don't like the credits in it and I don't like the fact that it's leveraged but I like the BMN right now because I went through the credits that they reported on 1231 and uh, uh, was pleasantly surprised. And then I like the target term. I don't like an open-ended fund that doesn't ever have an end date. So uh, when they put the leverage on, I'm going to guess it's going to be in the right uh, economic environment. And then they'll increase their fee and they'll pass a portion of it back back to the uh, holder would be my would be my guess. But um, so that's a fund that uh, I've taken a position in. I know some other folks I in, in Hedgeye world um, that we all talk, you know, bond nerd math um, have, uh, have done some due diligence on taking a you know, position on it as well. Um, number five is CDs. So I've been posting a lot about CDs and uh, the monthly pays in particular. There's a lot of folks out there that, you know, are scared and they've lost money and, you know, they, they, they look at the monthly pay CD and they, Think about dividend income on equities and dripping that into to, uh, risk on products. So same concept. We've uh, I put up analysis before of buying monthly pay CDs and then, you know, getting your ETF pro or, or whatever it may be um, that you have with Hedgeye for what may be bullish and, and dripping the income into uh, into the risk on products. So you conserve your principles. You're not worried about that, uh, but you, you know, you're still taking some uh, some some appropriate level of risk. Uh, but it, the, it's it's really changed, right? So I think we got to a two-year, maybe a three-year at 535. The best I could find today was 5% at a one-year. And then the best long-duration call protect that I could find was 475 for four. So 
Um, the CD market on Fidelity has drastically changed. Uh, there used to be over 200 offerings in a day. Uh, today we went sub 100. Um, so uh, I don't know if it's the banks aren't issuing them since they can go to the Fed now a little bit more easily or um, people are just buying them. But um, I, I don't know the reason, but I just know the results. So that's what I'm seeing on the CD side. And then uh, money markets, um, I posted this earlier today. Um, you know, the default for me in my Fidelity account is the SPAXX fund, and it pays a 444, but they also have a premium class if you do a little research. And um, in like an IRA, the minimums are not too high, and you get about a 20 basis point bump. Um, and my comment is, is, you know, no matter what platform you use, um, don't be lazy. You know, don't, don't let your company puts you in some core account that you're sitting at 70% cash and you're earning 200 basis points less than um, what a government money market account should pay. I'm not talking about a, a prime you know, bank loan type money market account. I'm talking, you know, your safe AAA rated um, core government type account. Um, don't be lazy. You know, if you, if you got $25,000 sitting at JP Morgan earning zero and you moved it over and put it in, uh, FZDXX, right? I put the math there. 25,000 times 463 is 1,157.50 a year. Divide that by, I went on DoorDash, $2.39. That's 484 McDonald's cheeseburgers, 40 free cheeseburgers a month, not including taxes. So, um, you know, don't be lazy. Manage your money. Make sure you're getting every, uh, every cent of interest that you can. Leave nothing on the table. Um, this will end one day, right? If, if everything plays out as, as people think, we will, we will not be seeing these money market rates at some point. So take advantage of it. Don't, don't let it be squandered. Um, number seven is my quad four reminder for those that don't like quad four. I, I would fall into that camp. Um, I like, uh, I like the calls in quad one, two, and three. It's perfectly fine to stay away from equities and simply wait. Make sure you're investing your money and, and you know, those money market accounts or whatever is appropriate for you and uh, simply wait. Uh, eight, doing nothing, not making a decision is actually making a decision. So don't think by not making a decision, you're, you're, you're not making a decision. You are making a decision. Inaction is a decision. And then uh, lastly is uh, just a disclosure that, you know, nothing I talk about or um, I'm discussing is, is financial advice. So that's kind of it, Robert, from my little world, my little corner. And uh, tomorrow, I'm looking more to get into strategies on uh, how I invest in uh, municipal bonds and what I do for my clients and how I look at things both directions. Yeah, appreciate it. And, and love the way that you broke that down in terms of number of cheeseburgers. Amen, brother. That, that would equate. Um, and secondly, uh, that was a great rundown, man. Um, so really looking forward to our session tomorrow. Again, just to uh, reiterate, it's going to be at 7 p.m. here on Twitter Spaces. Heads on friends with uh, with Muni guy. Uh, X2 even just DM me, Brian. He was like, DM me on the side. He's like, Brian should have his own spaces. Like, uh, X2, I know we're doing it tomorrow night. <laughs> that's why. That's uh, why you're here, Robert. You can coordinate that. Yeah, right? that's right. It's like, yeah, we're coordinating. <clears throat> it's going to be a lot of fun. Should be should be great. So Brian, um, you know, he, he and I have gone back and forth a little bit this week, kind of trying to pin pin down some of the uh, subject matter and stuff like that. And so appreciate everyone's feedback and um, and and whatnot uh, to Brian's tweet earlier this week. So looking forward to it. So again, seven p.m. Uh, weird thing with spaces that you can't. Um, can send out multiple uh, remi- or multiple uh, 
Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, reminders or what have you. So you can only really do one at a time. So I couldn't do tomorrow's. But as soon as this one's done, I'll send that one out and I'll get that on the calendar for everybody. So look for that to come around. Um, Tim, uh, you had – yeah, we haven't talked FX yet. And, uh, Tim, I know uh, you uh, trade FX. So uh, why don't I throw the ball back to you uh, for a little FX chat? Sure. So I've got lots of questions and just a handful of answers on FX. But, uh, but <laughs> That's my favorite kind of conversation. <laughs> we'll go around the horn real quick. I mean, I think everybody realizes, you know, I think Keith says uh, quite frequently uh, that, you know, there's one trade. And it's all one thing. And he's usually talking about the dollar. Uh, if you get that right, you get everything else right. And, and that's certainly, you know, we were talking about all the correlations kind of getting lost in the weeds. And, and one of those correlations, of course, is the equity dollar kind of correlation. Um, the, you know, we kind of bottomed uh, back there at the uh, bear capitulation day at the beginning of February and rallied. And uh, we ha- we're, we're not back down there. You know, we tapped the low end of the risk range just a few days ago, bounced off of it, uh, and you saw Keith, um, you know, kind of moving moving his uh, position around as he sized up as we tapped the bottom end and lightened up as we got back toward the middle. But one of the things that's really interesting to me is when we look at the euro pair, we have seen day highs in that risk range and six days of higher lows. Uh, still bearish trend. Still, just kind of riding the top end of the range as we as we crank up. Um, and I think if you have seen some of Hedge's stuff in the past, where we're on the macro um, presentation this morning or on the call, or really any any anybody that's actually pulling data out of Europe, we know that the outlook for Europe's not great, right? Um, the retail sales numbers are not good. Their in, in, industrial numbers are not good. Um, they continue to hike. They gave us a 50 basis point hike just a few weeks ago um, in the eurozone. And uh, and the uh, the euro seemed to like that, and then you know our friend Jay Powell only gave us uh, a quarter, and uh, the euro seemed to like that too. Um, so you know I'm looking for a spot to get. I'm I'm already short the euro, but I'm not max. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a spot to play that back down into the middle of the range, uh, as we kind of wait for the dollar to really kind of perk its head up and uh, do what it does in quad four and. Uh, and be the safe haven currency. Um, I thought it was interesting that you know some of the commodity linked currencies uh, are showing such strength. Uh, the Canadian dollar uh, has been on a tear from almost the low end of the range two days ago, three days ago it looks like, uh, four days ago. So kind of like last Friday, almost pinged the the bottom end of Monday's range, and has catapulted up to or to the top end of the range. Um, and uh, you know that that's really interesting with with the hedge I view on commodities in the near term uh, heading into this quad four event to have uh, such such near term strength in in uh, in that currency pair maybe maybe an opportunity there. Uh, I wish uh, Chris Moyer was on. He we could make fun of the uh, the performance of the pound relative to the euro and get him going. Uh, but again, the pound is you know. Not as strong as the euro in my view, but it has ridden to the top end of the range. Uh, I think it even, Keith said on the show this morning, I think it broke trend. It went neutral. Uh, I don't have that down on my yeah. notebook. So. It went neutral uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, and then the last the last one that we we track really close is is the yen, right? And the yen has kind of gone neutral, gone bearish, gone neutral. Um 
and and that one is with the implications for for the carry trade, um, you know, the, and what we know they've done with yield curve control. And Mike Taylor's talked about about that quite a bit. You know, you can have a you get a strong currency or have yield curve control, and you eventually have to choose. Um, and uh, so to watch that play out in real time has has been really really interesting. I I haven't been playing Euro for about I don't know two months. Uh, not not Euro. I mean uh, yen. Uh, just because I couldn't, I didn't feel like I had a, a good read on, you know, what that central banker was going to do, especially with the change of the guard over there. So that's that's Tim's uh, Tim's list of uh, observations, and and I'm really looking for a spot to to short the euro. If somebody has an idea on, uh, you know, why we should or why we shouldn't. I mean, it's bearish trend, top end of the range. Uh, you know, has bad macro catalysts inbound, um, and we all think quad fours are coming. So. Uh, look for look for other people to chime in here and, and give answers instead of just more questions. Yeah, so I'd encourage anybody out there who uh, trades FX or is intimate with it. I see X2 up there. I don't know if he has. Um, I know I just made kind of made, not made fun of you, but uh, <laughs> aired your DM. Uh, but the my so uh, I thought it was interesting today, Tim, that uh, Coach went. Uh, I always pay attention when he uh, certainly. Well, I pay attention all the time, but especially around uh, currencies. And so he went to the wood on can- uh, the Canadian dollar, uh, both in RTA and ETF Pro. And so that to me was um, a signal, kind of inside the signal. Whereas last week he went to and shorted uh, the euro, which I also really enjoyed uh, playing. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic there, where. Uh, clearly, you know, I think the the signal on the Canadian dollar is uh, a weaker signal, or in our case, like stronger from the short side. Uh, so a weaker Canadian dollar signal, and and this is uh, to to your point, you just summarized a lot of what has transpired in the last kind of week plus in terms of a a kind of uh, going from you know one end of the risk range to the probable range, right, to, from the low end to the top end, uh, and in conjunction with. <clears throat> you know, the move in commodities and, and energy-related uh, type exposure or uh, specifically energy-related uh, exposure. So I think that read-through, that that one I'm uh, much more comfortable with on, on the short side. I think Euro here is uh, is an interesting one, especially, yeah, so you, you, you we just kind of failed at a new one-month high, right, in terms of uh, where we closed yesterday and today. But uh, you, you're right at the the top end there, and the in the top end of the risk range is signaling a new one month high in terms of uh, the Euro USD range. So uh, I'm very conscientious of that when when that starts to play uh, into, or when I sort of see that on the board, um, I get uh, not that I get less interested, but I, I uh, don't get as big. I don't go as aggressive on the short side. Uh, let me, I guess, I think I'm explaining that appropriately. Um, so really here on the euro, what I'd be looking to see is, is a fail here at, uh, at a lower high. Um, so this is, this is, this is what I'd be looking to do again. You know, it, it kind of goes into, you know, how you, how you play the game really, right. If you, if you're trying, if you're trying to front run kind of the signal a little bit, you would be getting, you know, anticipating and, and kind of, uh, maybe be adding a bit more aggressively here, um, with, while also being on a bit of a tight leash, right. It's because, um, if it does pick up momentum, it, it could go against you, but at the same time, um, yeah, that, that, uh, on the flip side of that, the low end of the risk range down at uh, one spot, 
um, five nine actually sorry my number didn't get updated to five nine um, that is also uh, so that was not only a higher low today but um, also above both you know where the 15 day price was and the one month and above the three months so again that kind of like narrowing risk range of volatility is kind of coming out uh, from a narrative standpoint Tim I would say that uh, you know Europe and certainly you know the pound or England the UK uh, they've been they were later to the game in terms of raising rates and therefore uh, it would appear that the FX market um, is sort of pricing that in right now right so uh, I actually had the pleasure of uh, speaking with Chris Moyer yesterday aka thousand air FX and and I am uh, stealing uh, not stealing but I, because I'm giving him credit uh, but that was the commentary that he made Tim so although he couldn't make it today it's his wife's birthday uh, so he's enjoying um, that time as well as watching the uh, girls all Ars- girl arsenal team or the ladies arsenal uh versus the bear munich uh game as well uh but the that was kind of one of his commentaries tim uh and it makes perfect sense um so again it doesn't really matter why i think you know we're much more focused on the signal but uh, that signal isn't quite as um it looks a lot different on a week over week basis let me just put it that way yeah that's great thanks robert yeah yeah versus the canadian dollar and again if you um go back uh, what was last Wednesday? Was that the 24th? It was the 22nd. Um, so, yeah, the, so he, here's a good example where, and I talked about, I've talked about this a couple times the last few weeks, but if you go, this is where in the risk range, looking at day over day and week over week, the low end on the euro was uh, 1.052 on the risk range, and today it was one, it's 1.059. Uh, the top end of the, that range was 1.081 on the euro last week on Wednesday, and today it's, uh, you know, um, it's get penny higher at one oh one spot oh nine one. Uh so again, not only you're looking at higher lows, higher highs day over day, but on a week over week basis, those are relatively large moves within FX land. Um so that's uh that's a big tell versus again, um, you know, the Canadian dollar obviously given this price move, you're gonna see the the, the higher lows and higher highs happen here, but they're higher it's kinda of like a higher high, higher low to a lower high, right? So, you know, right. overall we're coming on a three week three month basis, we were up at, you know, call it seventy you know, just north of seventy five cents. Uh and we're just under seventy four here. So this is where I think there's a big difference versus the euro, which put in kind of uh you know, three month high at uh, just under one spot, you know, one dollar ten, and now kind of flirting with dollar uh, nine, dollar nine. So just different setups here um, would be my two cents in the Canadian dollar. Uh, just commodity related uh, spaces uh, or commodity related currencies are, uh, yeah, you know, looking looking weaker. Even you know, like the Aussie, Aussie dollar, the USD, uh, you know, same same kind of price action. That that um, that actually. You know, looks better to, to me than the than Canadian dollar, uh, but nobody really gives a shit what I think. Uh, so <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, let's stick with the Canadian dollar. I do, Robert. What Keith signaled on. I appreciate that, Brian. But the but Coach signaled on on on, on Canada, and we get that risk range every day. It's a lot easier to track. Uh, so we'll stick with the Canadian dollar. Um, but yeah, but it's it'll be interesting. I mean, I think you know, twenty twenty two was definitely the, the 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 dollar was kind of the was what you need to be long up until basically September, right? Uh, or October timeframe. Uh, sure. and, and it was a bit, yeah. So it was like a, it was a big winner. Um, you know, dollar strength can absolutely still exist in, in the quad four environment. Uh, but all I'll say is that, you know, we are battling a rates environment that we have not experienced in, 
in quite some time, uh, going back probably, you know, almost 30, 40, you know, going back to the eighties. So, you know, this is a, a, uh, every quad, every cycle is different. So, um, just because it worked last year doesn't mean it's going to work again this year. doesn't mean it's going to like, you know, be shit or anything. Right. And that you don't want exposure to the dollar. Uh, but to your point, uh, Tim, or I think it's pokey about the chop bucket, uh, the, the FX vol is up at, you know, 10, 10, um, 10 spot six, five as of this morning. So that's elevated too. So these, these currencies are, are getting choppier as well. Uh, and, and just for those that, uh, you know, that might not be aware, FX vol sub nine is more investable bucket, uh, for kind of global currencies. So typically you would have, you know, you would decrease your exposure to us dollar in that environment and north of nine, you, you want to be, um, increasing your exposure. It's more kind of like the F bucket and the flight to safety. Uh, but you know, Tim, that JPY is a, you know, older school, you know, flight to safety, right? So again, you know, with banks blowing up and what have you, it, it could be very much why you're seeing JPY strength here, or the yen strength um, in terms of uh, a flight to safety trade, which really means risk off across the market, which really means fade the fucking, you know, 2% move in tech today. <laughs> right? To so it, Robert. To bring it full circle. So Robert, yeah. uh, on the risk off, so that, that would align with Sithma going down, right? But yep. talk to me about triple Q. So I did a post today. It was up 17.52% year-to-date on pace to go plus 75.4% for the year. doesn't seem like a sustainable path to me. But can you talk about what you're seeing in terms of higher highs, lower lows, when you're tracking the risk range on Triple Q? Because I am actually shorted. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking your book is what you're saying? No, Uh, I'm I'm asking (laughs) about my book. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, this is an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. I, I think the, uh, so the move from 17, you know, the 17 and a half, I think it's hard. I saw your tweet there. I would say it's hard to extrapolate, although I understand what you're doing because it's pure, pure math, obviously. But, uh, I would say it, it, it's tricky to extrapolate that obviously like one quarter across the year. And especially from where we came from in terms of like the end of 2022, it, it's, it's, Still, currently, the the three month low is is right around. Uh, it's actually going to fall off tomorrow. Uh, it's Wednesday, December twenty eighth. But that that low closing low is two sixty spot uh, one zero. Just to remind everybody where we came from three months ago. So that closing price was two sixty spot one zero. We're now uh, closed in at uh, three twelve spot seven two. Uh, so I think that's a big thing, right, Brian? Uh, is is we had a full cycle shift lower, right, from when we went bearish in quad four back in uh, November slash December of 2021, uh, that cycle played out. There were obviously ebbs and flows in there in terms of uh, bear market rallies in March and uh, kind of that June timeframe, June to August timeframe. Uh, and then again, kind of like a little bit sideways there in, in Q4, uh, but it definitely finished down at the lows, right? Uh, to finish the year. And then, you know, we, we've seen, we've seen a move higher and, and you're, you're spot on. I mean, I hadn't looked on, on where we finished, uh, yeah, so about seven. We'll, we'll round it off at like seventy percent year to date. Um, this is uh, what I will then say after that is that when those those lows from December are going to start to roll off. So now all of a sudden, uh, from a three month basis, so on a longer term look back, the pricing, you know, things are going to basically the way that it works is that like that look back window is going to shrink. Um, 
and you're seeing that volatility shrink too. The twenty, you know, that twenty four or twenty three and change on on the Vixen right now, uh, and we're also pushing up right at the recent highs of February um, in, in terms of the year to date standpoint. So this is a this is a critical spot, right? But from the data that we're seeing, is that this is a this it's going to fail here uh, or it has the potential to fail here. Uh, and so I would be, uh, again, we went, we went to the wood on, on tech today on XLK. He has not hit the button on QQQ yet. Um, and maybe he's staying away from that given some of the components, right? If you look at the QQQ components uh, it's got, uh, you know, we're bullish trend on Apple meta and Nvidia. And those do make a, you know, do make up, uh, uh, you know, a good chunk of the Qs. And then on top of that, you've got, uh, you know, higher, Lows and some higher highs being put in across uh, across Netflix, Tesla, uh, even well, Google actually put in a lower high, but uh, but yeah, so you're seeing some of those components put in higher lows. So that's where again, it's just it's about kind of the higher probability outcomes to go play. And I'll repeat myself from like the dollar last year. Uh, maybe the cues aren't, you know, maybe the flight to safety, the cash flowing, you know, the factor exposure that have, you know, good cash flowing uh, companies you know, dividends, you know, strong balance sheets. Uh, maybe the, the big boys do hold up, you know, a portion of the queues. And it's, uh, it's, it's what we've seen recently in terms of this uh, year date move. And in the Russell where, you know, things with ship balance sheets and, and, um, and, and poor, you know, basically smaller cap uh, factor exposure, higher short interest. Maybe, maybe those are the factor exposures that um, you really want to, uh, be adding to on on bounces that that are you know um, you know bearish trend, but uh, so that'd be kind of my quick synopsis uh, in terms of the 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 comp Q itself. It was a higher low and a lower high today, so definitely a shrinking range. But that's reflective of of VIX you know sub twenty five or sorry Vixen sub twenty five. Pull back the curtain on the process of a world class hedge fund on the call at Hedge Eye. Join our entire research analyst team live before the market opens for deep dive investing analysis, our favorite stock ideas, and risk manager in chief Keith McCullough's macro overlay. Subscribe to the call at Hedgeye weekdays at seven forty-five a.m. Eastern. Go to hedgeye.com/slash/the-call for more. Again, this is where I'll just repeat myself what I just said in terms of on a day over day on the twenty-second, um, the low end of the risk range on the Comp Q was eleven thousand and five, and the top end was eleven thousand nine ninety-eight. Uh, today we're eleven four thirty three and, and eleven nine twenty two, um, so that would be a lower high in the week over week, but a big higher low. Uh, so that is good. I mean, this is where I mean, Brian. I mean, this is uh, that's the setup you want to see. You want to see the lower high, and the, that's that's a front run kind of signal when you're seeing the the lower high on both day over day and week over week, um, which really means a probable outcome is that it, it, it pushing higher is. Um, is the probable outcome becomes lower. Uh, so yeah, so that would be my rundown on the cues. So, so the other piece, I guess, is, is when Keith talks about the Titanic and everyone running up to that corner before it sinks, that's Apple. That's the other components that people are running to until they can't run to it anymore. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, yes, uh, I think correct. There comes a point where even those guys have to report reality. And, and that's where, yeah, and that's where you saw it last, um, what was it, last Q1 with Google, right, Google and Meta. Uh, and, and you saw similar act price action in, in Apple and Amazon, I believe it was. Uh, I'm going off the top of my head, so I should probably pull that up so I'm not, not misspeaking. But let me just double check that in terms of last. I believe Amazon reality as well. Um, in Q1. Uh, what was that, 2022? Ah, shoot. 
Uh, oh, I know. Sorry, guys. I'm the 2022. Yeah, so I, I, Amazon kind of rallied. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, so Amazon sort of rallied in in that you know that March standpoint as well, where it went from you know bearish trend and then temporarily you know um, it got got back to bullish trend along with Apple and and stuff like that. But my point is, is that. They also have to, you know, report reality, right? Um, Amazon just fired more people. Apple came out with, uh, I believe, that pay later uh, component uh, that was uh, that they pay just, never. Uh, they pay never. Buy, yeah, pay buy never. now, pay never. <laughs> buy now, exactly. Uh, so you know, Brian, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting component, and this is where I know it's kind of boring, but um, well, not boring, but uh, this is where I just stick with the signal in terms of Apple's bullish at the moment. And it's a, you know, it's a big piece of, of the XLK. Uh, but you've got Microsoft that's, that's bearish. This is another big piece of the XLK and the Qs have a bit more, you know, there's a little bit more nuance there. And, and I'd say like that NVIDIA, uh, NVIDIA and Meta both putting in lower highs though. And even Apple putting in a lower high at 161, you know, those are big, those are big tells. Uh, so I, I will answer this with kind of like a bit of, let's see what tomorrow's risk range looks like and then kind of like Fridays and then what the beginning of next week kind of looks like, because I think that's going to be the real tell because now, now we're going to, you know, those, those top end of the risk range is going to move a little bit higher because of the price action, right? When something moves up, you know, 2%, like Apple did today, same with Microsoft and Amazon was just over three, you know, that's going to naturally bring up the top end of the risk range. Um, so what happens is, you know, what, where does the price action go from here? Do they push it higher in the quarter end, month end? Um, if so, then you know that's where you have to you know trust in the process and the data that you know that Drago and Drake and Steiner and Richie and Tex and and Keith all put together uh, in terms of uh, the sinkhole analogy, which I love today. In terms of what's happening under the surface is really bad, and therefore setting up the portfolio today and getting. You know, you know, what did you do at VIX in 23, you know, 24, 23, 22, if we get to there or VIX at 19, 18, 17, what did you do there? Um, and how did you position your portfolio? And personally, I think, Brian, you know, not investment advice, just to echo that, but, you know, setting up incrementally with some QQQ on the short side, uh, that makes a shit ton of sense. Thank you. And I'll say that on the, the macro, macro pro themes deck presentation today, it looked pretty apocalyptic out into the future. So. Uh, yeah. Good luck to everyone. It it did, but again, I mean, I told this to Keith. I was like, you know, there there were also two areas that you can be very, very three areas that you can be very bullish on, and hence the title of like this notebook review. It's 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 gold, China, and and duration. I mean, we added you know TLT, IEF, uh, EDV, you know GovZ. Um, you got GLD, physical gold, AAU, AAU, which always makes me think of like basketball. Uh, and so uh, you've got, you know, GDX, we've got, um, uh, you know, KWeb's not on there yet, but it's on the short list. EWT, Taiwan is a, a factor exposure. We've been more keen on the Chinese exposure in regards to the individual names. Uh, Keith mentioned this on the call this morning in terms of uh, you know, some of the top uh, top 10 names all have factor exposure to China that are winning, like, like you know, uh, Las Vegas Sands, Win, um, MGM, uh, that, that kind of stuff. So, you know, those are all, you know, so again, there's where there's places to be if you're long only. Um, as much as it's fun to be, you know, not, I mean, fun, I'm using air quotes here, guys. But as much as it's like, you know, that is, you know, there was a lot of 
very bearish data. There's also a lot of places that you can go get long. Now, at the same time, you want to be conscientious in terms of you know how much capital you're putting at risk when there is potential real risk rising, especially from a recession standpoint, um, and volatility under the surface perhaps exploding higher and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's all about a risk management standpoint as well. Uh, and, and right now, uh, personally, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sort of in, I'm in Keith's camp in terms of kind of putting 25-ish percent of capital to work while like having, you know, 75% cash kind of on the sidelines at this point. And I'm rounding things off, so forgive me. But. Appreciate it. You're giddy. We can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I think this set, I mean, listen, if you're a bear, this setup is fucking awesome. I know. That's what I'm saying. Apocalyptic. <laughs> I said like, it. Apocalyptic. Like, this, like if, if you're bearish, this setup is awesome. And the fact that like quad four components are starting to work is even better. So like this is like really fun. If you're not having fun right now, like, whew. Yeah. yeah, the fact that this is, this is fun. Gold hits two this grand. Gold hits two thousand. You'll be having a lot of fun. The, <laughs> f- the fact that Netflix is one of the last bastions of, of bullishness over the past couple of weeks tells you a lot. Yep. Yep. It does. It does. All all from uh, what was that? That was hilarious. The uh, the data out of Canada. One of the there's I think I think Freebird said it makes up like less than five percent of their overall revenues. Uh, but anyway, people are not going to people are not going to slice their subscription, you know, cut their subscriptions in half and, and pay double for for Netflix. There's not enough out there. There's not enough quality content out there for people. No, I'll tell you this, though. Um, this is completely anecdotal, but YouTube just sent me a, a message over the weekend. YouTube TV is what I have. And they're like raising rates by at least 10 to 15 bucks. Uh, and it's going from like sixty five dollars a link to 75 or 82 something like that again that should probably be better i briefly um read the but they're getting the, they're getting the nfl package with that too now oh is that what it is they're they i believe that they have the nfl package next year too so they, i mean they're raising rates just to raise rates but i believe that that will factor in for next for this upcoming year oh i should probably read that email more closely because i want I, I immediately texted my wife and was like we're canceling youtube tv because <laughs> <laughs> so, i mean again you don't you don't tune in for this but I mean, I pay for like Paramount Plus. We pay for HBO Max. I mean, it's freaking ridiculous at this point. You cut the I cut the cord like three years ago, and and YouTube TV was like forty five dollars at that point, and it was yeah. awesome. And you had Netflix, and then Disney Plus came out, and they give you like a three year deal. That that was the best deal going. But now everybody's launched their stuff, and Paramount Plus is actually quite good to be uh, for anybody that hasn't checked it out. They actually have some pretty good content on it, and luckily we get Peacock with because um, we only have comcast available in our area but that's actually been pretty good too and you get the office it doesn't anyway, we are completely going off topic here so it's uh, all it's all cyclical <laughs> hey can i can i just can i give a shout out real quick yeah by all means. i i i would not have hopped up here if i knew that mr salem was listening um because that's a <laughs> real that's real pressure but david thank you like it's been it's been wonderful to, to listen to you talk on the, the couple times that you've hopped up on TV with, with Keith and with Robert. Um, just it, if you ever want to hop up on these spaces, we would love to hear from you, especially in times like now when you're, you know, at the end of a quarter and things have run up, like Brian was just saying with uh, Q's now essentially 20% off the lows. 
from a institutional money manager's perspective, what does next week look like? You know, those are things that we usually dive into around these times. And if ever you want to hop up, we'd love to hear from you. And I'd just like to echo that I would really be interested in hearing about David's viewpoints on asset allocation. Um, those would be, that would be something I really would like to hear. So I put a couple, I put a few tweets out about David over the weekend. So just uh, FYI. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring you in a little behind the, behind the scenes here. The only two people left in the office, and this does not mean that like everyone at Head Guy is not still working, but uh, the two guys from Boston are the only two left in the office. David's in the main boardroom working on a whiteboard, uh, ironing out details on ca- you know his capital allocation product, and and I, and I'm here uh, as well in the studio. Uh, but the entire Head Guy team is clearly, obviously, still working. But it's just quite amusing that both the Boston boys are uh, that travel to the Stanford office are here. And uh, we are. We're working on that uh, just in terms of, of behind the scenes. Uh, David has been kind enough to agree to kind of, you know, to, to come onto these spaces and share a lot, share a lot of that, those insights with us. Uh, if you haven't uh, had a chance to listen to the kind of 20-minute video that we did uh, two weeks ago, I'd really encourage you to do that. It, we, we sent that out to all, um, to all Macro Show uh, subscribers. And really is available to, I believe, uh, to all subscribers. Um, and we kind of opened it up to everybody, but it was a great rundown in terms of getting structured for success. Uh, David put together about eight or 10 slides that were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so we'd really encourage everybody to go take a look at that. Uh, he's helping me kind of build out a hedge eye orientation uh, type uh, kind of mini tutorial. So there's going to be four of them total. And it's been a lot of fun working with him. I've learned so much from from David as well. He's been incredibly generous, as you said, Pokey with uh, and, and Brian with with his time. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think we're just kind of going to uh, let him keep working on kind of the the product and like how the formation works out. And then as we get a little closer to launch, we'll we'll kind of have uh, he'll he'll jump on these spaces and stuff like that. He's often uh, another little inside baseball. He's often. Um, He's off. He's a huge runner, so he's often running while listening to these, which is why. Although I will text him behind the scenes, like, "Hey, can you come up?" And be like, uh, "You don't want to hear me panting like a dog right now." So uh, he is. Uh, but yeah, we're he's he's awesome, guys. Uh, if, uh, I've had uh, I've had the pleasure to spend a lot of time with him over the last uh, six months or five months. And it's been very awesome. Hey, Robert, I got another question for you. Yeah, could you could you it. tell everyone here like? And I've never asked you this question before, but since you've been on, you know, came aboard Hedgeye and, you know, you've been talking to a ton of people. um, Tell me, like, can you just explain, like, what is the biggest mistake people make using the Hedgeye process that you've seen? Mm, Good question. Uh, It's a combination of sizing and the expression in which and how they're expressing that uh, investment. I think too many people go straight to uh, like options to try to express a view. And with options, you have to get timing like so perfectly correct. And uh, there's just a lot of different nuances and, and factors there. Uh, but then also just sizing in general, um, you know, get not, not fully understanding the nuances on volatility, adjusting the position sizing and, and that, even ETFs, like the difference between an XLK, uh, like shorting an XLK versus shorting an XLF, for instance, right? 
Um, the, those are big differences. And XLF has lower, I mean, typically, maybe not, not not in the last like two months, but tip, historically, uh, you know, XLF would have uh, you know lower vol, and, and certainly did. If you look at the realized vol um, in kind of uh, early, you know, even early March or late February, it was down in the uh, like 16 range on XLF. It's now exploded up to. Uh, the kind of uh, 30s, uh, mid 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 to low 30s on on XLF on on a realized volatility standpoint. Uh, but yeah, I say that because XLK uh, is realized ball has drifted lower at the, this point in time. It's actually down at 25. But at the you know end of December, um, you know sort of December 20th, it was up in the low 40s. So just like that alone, Brian, understanding the difference in terms of like how big from a volatility adjustment standpoint. Like you can get a lot bigger uh, if on XLF either on the long side or short side because of the realized volatility is is um, is, is traditionally or historically if you look at and again I'm using like a 30 day realized vol- realized volatility component there um, then uh, that I think is a huge component right so even though we say kind of uh, you know six percent max in an ETF even on the long side uh, XLK even in a quad two environment you know likely kind of should live somewhere in that four and a half to five and a half range uh, because of its volatility. Whereas an XLF, you could take all the way to six and maybe even take the six and a quarter uh, to six and a half because of it, uh, you know, depending on where that realized ball would be living on. I'm talking about max long. And similarly on the short side, you could cap that, you know, max long uh, again, an XLF around 3% um, versus an XLK probably closer to two and a half. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the components, I mean, a lot of mistakes come down to uh, timing of a decision and then the sizing. So like when and where uh, in terms of uh, what that looks like inside the portfolio, either being a little late to the game. And again, and oftentimes it does depend on where you come into the game, right? Like if you're coming in right now uh, and you just, let's just say you just signed up for like Macro Pro or something uh, and you're just coming into the game now, uh, you know, building out a dollar position actually could work favorably for you. Uh, but building out a gold position uh, right now, although, you know, we are have been getting bigger in gold. Uh, but like depending again, I'm just saying like if you came in la- like if you try to add to your gold position or build a minimum position like last week, you would have been again, you'd be going against what Keith preaches, which is like paying at the top of the range. Uh, but some people do that and they kind of like don't don't fully understand those dynamics and, and just that patience. Um, you know, I've said this a couple of times, Brian, that. Yeah, I've got 15 plus years. Again, not, that's not a long time, but I've got 15 plus years of kind of living inside of the investment, uh, you know, community of basically being institutional sales or equity research, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it took me three, like I didn't put a trade in for three months, right? Uh, while I learned the hedge process, learned kind of how uh, Keith thinks about things, how he, he you know, deploys his, you know, kind of getting the mindset and then waiting for the setup and being patient. And at that point, it was kind of a quad four environment back in 2020, 2020. And I joined in March to put my first trade in. I guess it wasn't three months. It was, uh, uh, you know, almost a little over eight weeks. It was May, um, but it was golden. I still fucked it up. <laughs> uh, I was just like, I got to get gold in the books. And I still, I remember, I was like, I held it for long enough that I ended up making money, but uh, because Quad Three like bailed me out. But anyway, all right, so we're uh, we're pushing like an hour and a half. Uh, I see some other faces, other side asset management's out there. I know a lot of folks enjoy hearing uh, his view and, and that kind of thing. But uh, anything that you know, Tim Brian, that, that you you would oh, right, Tim just uh, dropped off. 
Uh, Brian, anything else kind of on your inside of your notebook or anything that you're thinking about right now? I think we've covered a lot. No, I think we've covered a lot, and I look forward to tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Uh, the other, I, I know I kind of mentioned it in passing, silver and, and platinum, but uh, silver definitely, that signal is, is certainly uh, picking up steam, putting in a higher low and a higher high today. It was uh, circled in the notebooks. I just want to uh, you know, reiterate that piece and and that natty gas um, continues to break down. So uh, it's, it's, I know it was up seven and a half percent today, but uh, coming into the day, it, it certainly was putting in a lower low and a lower high. Uh, top of the risk range is all the way up at, at two spot five Oh, which is uh, nowhere near this uh, two spot eight, you know, 18, even after this 8% move. So um, lower, low, lower high on the natty, on the natty bow. We'll just reiterate that. Tim, Tim, are you back? I'm back. Sorry about that. Hey, man. Oh, you're good. All right, so I do have one more one more call out. So uh, my background is yeah. calling gas, um, and uh, yeah. I've been putting bids out for projects that people were considering doing this summer, this fall. And on one of the projects, uh, we had bid out to four wireline service companies, and unsolicited, three of the four came back and cut their price almost in half last week. So it's... Wow. It's getting with the with the price falling off a little bit in oil and gas land, especially in gas, that has knock on effects. Um, so, not investment advice, but you know maybe consider uh, OIH or some of the uh, service companies for uh, at least short evaluation in your process. Interesting. 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 So you, you can not only lose money in boil. There's other ways in the energy space to lose money. <laughs> <laughs> oh tim uh yep <laughs> there are so many ways you can lose money in in the energy space especially if you don't know what you're doing or don't have a risk range to help you absolutely uh, but yeah that's interesting what, are, are you seeing anything else um just uh, just again not like anecdotal but just sort of any any other like because that's a really interesting call out actually yeah, it, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been wanting to short OIH for like so long, but this just it just started to break down like a week or so ago. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I got a bid in from uh, a certain front well, company weeks, yeah. that I that I won't call out here. Yeah, and their 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 bid was so bad that I immediately went short of their stock. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, that. That's not really process driven per se. It's more of, oh my gosh, I don't know who the winner is in the service space, but it's not you. You're you're out. Uh, other, other call out in the energy space is if you look at the guys in the Permian, anybody that's gassy in the Permian uh, is really going to struggle here, uh, especially if their hedge basis is NYMEX. So for the you know we we all trade Nymex gas futures and that are sitting like right at just under two dollars which is crazy, but um, the guys in West Texas they're selling at uh, at a Waha price so all the gas in West Texas is priced on Waha that then has to get piped down to Houston or piped to Oklahoma or piped to wherever it's going to get processed. Waha is at like six cents right now. Wow. Um, so if you've got a Permian, you know, producer that's your favorite and they're gassy, uh, look out below. Wow. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. It's, uh, it, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Huh. So, Interesting. And, and the Permian's trending gassier in general anyway, uh, as those wells age out. So. Interesting. 
Interesting. Sounds like we need to, you know, so if, if, if Brian's our media guy, it seems like you might be our energy guy, Tim, uh, or at least get <laughs> So I, I can get you started. These guys <laughs> are a lot better than I am, but I can get you started. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, Mitchell, uh, other side asset management is in the house. Uh, I, I have my, my young little one in the car with me. We're, we're coming from Brazilian jiu-jitsu class this evening. Ooh, nice. So, keep it, yeah, keep it so very I, on brand, eh? Very on brand. Yeah, so, so uh, I do not have my, my laptop open and in front of me, and I don't know what happened the first 45 minutes of the conversation. Interesting, uh, something that Tim said that I just want to kind of kind of tag on to. It was, it was something, I think, small that he said, but I think it was a very big deal, is the rate of change that the U.S. is cutting versus the rate or hiking versus the rate of change that Europe is hiking makes a difference or has made a difference. You know, I, I understand the dollar is the, the pillar in quad fours. I'm not second guessing that. I'm not saying no. Uh, at the same time, it does or can make you range bound in here for a little while until markets kind of catch up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Everybody always talks about market efficiency and how everything's all built in. And yet, miraculously, nobody figured out that or, or not nobody, because we talked about it two weeks prior to it happening. But, um, you know, the vast majority of Wall Street didn't see a credit event coming. Uh, and, and, you know, banks got hammered in a matter of three, four days. Um, markets aren't as efficient as people think in certain ways. And this goes to, I think, uh, Brian's question, uh, uh, thought slash question in terms of, um, you know, everybody piling, piling into this tech trade. I think it's, I, I think the data suggests it's a disaster waiting to happen. It does not mean that I am full bore short at my max on everything right now. I, I'm, I'm actually not. I, I mean, we, we do have calendar, you know, we do have the calendar to look at. We have month end where everybody's trying to, you know, mark mark stuff up, albeit to, to lower highs, right? So uh, I am not there, but I am hyper aware of where we are in terms of month end. And um, I'm okay doing things incrementally until we we see some some big opportunities to you know to uh take some bigger shots maybe we see some more implied volatility discounts with things closer to the top end of the range through uh through month end through month end markup through uh you know first couple days of the next month where you know 401ks are still putting money to work um and before you get some people reporting with uh, I think X2 hit me up behind the scenes. Today was the lightest day of volume on the New York Stock Exchange. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, um, yeah, we we mentioned now it was quite like I don't. Um, Pokey the ju- 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 Juice Box. He he mentioned that. Uh, yeah, we were talking about volume. How it was quite light. Okay. I don't have yeah, the two, actual two, number. I don't have the actual numbers. Um, Tuesday is trading volume across the New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq and nine billion shares was the lowest this year, according to Dow Jones market data. So yeah, wow. you guys are spot on. So I, I apologize for mentioning it. I, I missed it. I no, 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 you're good. You're so, good. It's a good, it's a really but, important call out. It's a really, but really you're, important you're, call out. <laughs> you're, you're up, you're, you're up, whatever you're up today on stupidly light volume. Um, you know, and, and as all of us who 
follow the process, know the volume accelerates when markets are getting shellacked and hammered. So, you know, you've got some, you've got people out of the market right now. You're, you're going to, you know, you're not going to have a lot of people in the market buying things back, but it doesn't mean that you don't have, I love it, passive, in quote, passive funds being active in the market, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just think, I think the dollar, I think the dollar in currency is a big call out. And I think that Tim nailed it when he talked about the rate of change. But I think it, it was something that kind of, it may have gone over some people's, it might have flown over some people's heads. That's all. Very important. Yeah, no, no, really important. Really important. Uh, yeah, very important call out on both fronts. So well done. Robert, can I ask my same question to Mitchell? Yeah. Mitchell, what is the biggest mistake most Hedgeye subscribers make when they're learning the process? So um, <laughs> so I, I don't disagree with what Robert said. Um, position sizing, uh, position sizing and, and how they're expressing it. Um, I'd also say now from from looking at some hedge eye followers stuff right um some some hedge eye guys who try to follow have reached out and I'm, i chat with a handful of them and I, i'll never say no to a conversation try to help people etc i think the largest mistake is uh bag holding i think it's not cutting the losers before they become problematic uh because something should be uh, a short in quad four, um, they don't follow the signal. They follow the quad, and and uh, the signal trumps the quad. So, even though they just bought something, uh, or or they just shorted something, they don't want to get rid of it when it breaks trend, or they're not following it closely enough as to when it breaks trend. Um, and I think that people really hold on to some things that they should not be holding on to um, based upon them not wanting to take a loss. So Keith always says, you know, a small loss before it turns into a big loss. Uh, Before I even knew what hedge I was, um, I utilized trailing stops as my my, uh, capital preservation strategies. So I would always know where I was selling something before you know, the day I bought it, right? So the, the minute I bought it based upon the price, I knew where I, where I was selling it. It was much less active in terms of trading around a risk range, but at the same time, I still knew where I was cutting it. Um, people don't cut losers. And, and I think that's a huge mistake, um, especially on the short side, because you can lose more on the short side than you can lose on the long side. Well, n- no, let me rephrase. Um, well, shorting, it, it, it can go up exponentially, right? You can get squeezed on like a GameStop and, you know, get crushed versus uh, versus um, the long side where uh, obviously you know where the downside is, right? So is, can an example be um, when you go through the risk range emails, Apple was bearish, right, for quite some time. Yeah. And it got down into the 150s and... Uh, I think it got below 150, but it got down people, to the 120s, I think. Okay, so but people are are bearish on it, and all of a sudden the signal changed. Right. And you know we were sitting this morning. I don't I don't know what it closed at. We we're sitting at this morning with 
yesterday's close being 157. So that would be an example of, you know, you're fighting the signal. And as soon as Apple flipped bullish, even if you're down, you cut it and you move on to the next to the next item. You don't get wed to it. Correct. You And you don't have to like, um, I don't know if if. I don't know how early on you started listening to the spaces, Brian. I think it was pretty early on, but uh, Chris early Moyer, Chris Moyer and and Robert used to bust my chops a little bit because I would always say like I, I I need a yellow dot rule or or I I was always joking because at Hedge I Live last year, uh, one of my largest mistakes in implementing the Hedge I process into my own process, which already had a risk management um, tool wrapped around it, was I would be buying more at the low end of the risk range but at the same time the low end of the risk range was getting super close to trend right so rather than cutting rather than cutting my position as i was approaching trend i was getting knee deep into the position getting towards my max and two days later it 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 breaks trend and now i'm sitting with a full position um, now I'm sitting with a full position and, and, and I don't want to sell it. Right. Because I'm at a full position. So rather than, rather than sitting with a minimum position, I'm sitting with a full position and it just got cut or it should be getting cut because it broke trend. So in theory, trend Keith's trend is ultimately a trailing stop because every day that the stock moves higher, the trailing stop with a trend in theory moves a little bit higher. So trend is very similar to a trailing stop. Keith's are arguably more accurate, right, than what I was using. So um, the yellow dot rule is I, I would joke with Chris and Robert in terms of I just need to, you know, I need to know where that trend is so I'm not getting bigger and bigger into it. And you can figure out where things are with listening to Keith very intently on the calls. You can also get yourself or keep yourself out of more trouble by not playing in things that Keith's not active in because Keith's not going to keep you up necessarily on a trend breakdown in something that he's not talking about unless you're in one of the sector pro products, right? So you, yeah, you want to play outside the realm, but at the same time, just know you're not going to have all the tools. So I, I, I truly believe not cutting your losses, you know, and, and again, I was using trailing stops, you know, 2015 when I started running discretionary money. That was before I even knew what a hedge I was. So, you know, it's just morphing the hedge I process into your process, but still risk management is the is the key. And and we still get Robert and I, we talk behind the scenes and we still try to get better every day, right? So it's mm-hmm. this is an ongoing process. This is this is an ongoing learning, you know, with me usually you know, with us doing things, you know, night after the market closes, morning, 5.30 a.m., you know, and trying to figure out what to do. But I think if I'm answering your question, it's what Robert said in terms of position sizing. It's how they express it. And it's uh, not cutting losers before they become problematic. And I think that's the I think that's the biggest. Thank you. Start generating alpha with Hedgeye's suite of Sector Pro investing research products. Dive deep into retail, industrials, technology, and everything in between with exclusive access to the sharpest analysts and actionable ideas on Wall Street. Go to Hedgeye.com slash research for more. That's Hedgeye.com slash research. Yeah, just to piggyback, yeah, and just to, to echo that, I think it's, 
so a good example is going back to your QQQ question, Brian. On on March 20th, um, so about a week and a half ago, on the macro show, uh, Keith, uh, I think I actually – I might have even asked this question just randomly. Um, but the trade on QQQ is 298. Now, that number is going to have shifted uh, a little bit. But uh, it, it turned kind of bullish – trade on that day and, it, and it's held above that bullish trade but it's still bearish trend on the, on the comp queue on the on the nasdaq so i think that's again it's it's something to be conscientious about and even if you didn't have that number in terms of the, the 298 and and really what i will say or take from what mitchell said is is you you can that's why i talk about the higher lows and the lower highs and the lower lows and the you know, what have you, right? Like the, those dynamics, because even in a bullish trending uh, component, uh, you can, uh, you know, for instance, like the dollar this morning put in, it was flat on the, on the bottom and on the low end of the risk range, but a lower high on the top end of the risk range. Um, so again, like, you know, seeing those components or seeing a bullish trend putting in lower lows, um, that signal is just getting a little bit weaker. So you just got to be a little bit more patient with it to kind of figure out, okay, where is it going to, like, how, where is it going to sort of find a bottom or like, where is it going to kind of find, find its footing here? And then, and then how does the you know, like risk range kind of react from there? Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be, you shouldn't be active or, or can't make a decision at that point in time, but just understanding, again, that's kind of why I say position sizing, because sizing up in the ones that are putting in higher highs and higher lows, that those are the ones where you want to be max right you want to be like in your like as close to your max as possible in a bullish trending uh bullish trading trend putting in higher highs higher lows uh that's kind of in the right quad that's like a you know that's a setup that you want to be you know max the tits in right um on, now, on a long on a long, on a long yeah on a long yes. yeah sorry on a long on, on a long. short uh, on a short the other way. yeah exactly. you want to be bearish trend lower lows lower highs um, you know, nat- Natty Gas is kind of like a perfect example of what that looks like for the last. I'm just using an example because you, you guys can can kind of go look at that in terms of like what you've seen, really almost like year to date on Natty Gas. Um, it's been, I mean, it's been freaking miserable. Uh, so, the, uh, year to date, let me just pull that up. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty bad. Um, but but again, you know, this is where yeah. So that's where I talk about sizing because. If you get the sizing piece of when and where, the the signal kind of flows in with that, and the signal is all absolutely the most important thing out there. But that can be a much harder thing to coach, Brian. So out of the gate, um, the sizing and timing aspect, you know, having a little bit more patience or understanding, you know, that something can go to the top of the risk range, even in a bullish trend, and then. You know, maybe the next day, two weeks later, a month later, it goes to the low end of the risk range and knowing what to do and, and how to position your portfolio accordingly um, is, is key. So um, that's where. Yeah. yeah. And I think and again, like going back, knowing where the trade was a week and a half ago is likely why Keith hasn't gone to the queues yet. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't, even though it's like bullish trade. It just, you know, he's, he's waiting. He, you know, I've, I've seen this play out a lot. And so he's waiting. He got that first lower high today. Uh, but that's likely not going to last, you know, day over day. But if he gets another couple in the next three, four days, um, you, you'll likely see. Uh, it's possible that he, you know, where he's already gone to the wood on XLK, it's possible he goes to the wood on Qs as well. Yeah, because also, and and that's to tag on that. Um, people get too big too soon in a short, but also at the at the end of the day, I think people also forget that the risk range is dynamic. So if things are at the top end of the range 
depending upon how powerful that move is to or through the range, well, the top end of the range is no longer where it was. So people might size up significantly at what they believed was the morning's top end of the range. So they go whole hog and, and you know, max up, but they don't realize they, they forget the incremental part. Right. So maybe I'll buy some incrementally up over where the top end of the range was for the morning. But you don't know where the range is unless Keith told you. Right. So you have to understand that that range moved. So. Yeah, I, maybe I'll go incrementally, but at the same time, I also know that the range moved and, you know, we'll see when it starts to fail or when, as as Robert just noted, when you start to see the, the lower highs to be a little bit bigger in that position. Yep. And even with today's closure price on SPX, I mean, the refresh risk range was 4026 and closed at 4027 spot 80. And right now, it, you know, depending on what the price action looks like tomorrow, that would be a, that's a new, still a, still a lower high inside of the one month risk rate, like one month price action. That low is, uh, sorry, that high is uh, 4048 spot 43. So still got about 20, 20, 20 bucks to go. So it'll be, so keep keep it on that. You know, I, I I suspect that they're going to try to ramp it into that. You know, try to get it up to that one month uh, one month high somehow, right? Big head fake. But anyway, it, the vast we'll the vast the vast majority of people that I chat with who's frustrated with hedge eye is frustrated with hedge eye, but they have a trouble have a I would how to put it politely they have a challenging time looking at the decisions that they made based upon based upon the the process that is the hedge eye process the hedge eye process in and of itself is is a simple process you know sell sell at the top end of the range buy at the bottom of the range yada yada but every day those ranges move and every day there's a different dynamic to why you should or shouldn't make a certain decision so it's it's not as cut and dry as well hedge eyes top of the range was this and it moved higher through it you know i got caught in a short squeeze because right you know, I, I, I mean, we could talk societal issues all day long, but you know, we're we're in a we're in a scenario where most people just want somebody to blame, other than I need to study this and get better at it, and and I think that's the reality. You know, Hedge is not perfect; they're pretty damn good though, especially relative to what else is out there. The research, the honesty in the research. You know, I, I've said this numerous times before, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. I've done this for, I, I've been in the business for 27 years. So, sorry, Robert, 15 doesn't look very long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, you know, 20, 27 years, I can't believe them. it's almost three decades. At the same time, I have read everybody from CSFB, you know, DLJ when they were still around, uh, you know, Goldman, Morgan, you know, if you understand why the research departments write what they do, you'll understand that there is almost no one that says what should be said because of the conflicts of interest that are in this business. And if you don't, if, if you don't agree with the statement that I just made, DM me, let's have a conversation, let's talk about it, because I could walk you through the conflicts of interest from the seat of somebody from the retail side, the institutional side, the corporate finance side, 
institutional sales, sales trading, uh, you know, you name it. I, I, I've seen it and I have some pretty good experience in understanding how firms get paid, why they do what they do. And I've watched it firsthand. So when 94 percent of all of all recommendations by Wall Street are buy and hold and a whopping six percent are sells and you have 40 to 45 percent of companies out there in the Russell that literally can't that they're dying zombies, but yet they're buying holds. I mean, it, 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 there's a reason. And that's a conflict of interest. And, and we can talk about it all day long, but not not the medium. But once you understand that and you understand why Hedge Eye does what they do, I, I think you you you'd have more confidence in the process and that you're working with honest and trustworthy people. Yeah, Mitch, let me piggyback on one thing just to, to share like my why why and and how I view it. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I'm a big asset allocator in terms of fixed income. But when Hedgeye made the call last at the end of January uh, 22 to sell, I moved my kids 529 accounts to cash, like all of it. And then in Yahoo Finance, I loaded in the pricing so I could follow whether or not I saved money or I didn't save money. And even today, like, you know, they just updated the mutual funds that they were in. As of today, um, I saved 13.25%. You know, it was like 18% last week. So with this run up, right, I'm still um, at basically two years of college. Because um, my, my, my child is first year of college. So two years of college. So, I mean, it's a massive amount, right? And, and there'll be a time when there's a call of get back in, buy a dip, right? Yep. So, so, so between that window of get out and between the window of when it comes of get back in, you have a very difficult environment to navigate. And it's hard. I mean, Robert, you said it one day. You said short selling is fucking hard. Exact, your exact words. And you're right. It is because that's what we're kind of talking about right now. And, um, you know, just sticking to the basics of, of get out, there's not a single Wall Street firm that makes money telling you to go to a money market account. That's a, that's a hundred percent correct. So yeah, that's, to that's me, right. that's getting to the, to the basic core of the hedge eye product itself. I mean, you get, you get to get out with just the early look or just ETF pro. Right. And, and so those calls to, to, you know, that, that the crash is coming, like that is worth a lot of money. So well, think, think about it. Sense. Think about it. Brian, Brian, think about it this way. Think about if one of the large, big bulge bracket firms said sell and put 20 to 25 percent in cash. Right. If we see volume spike on days or we see the markets typically sell off hard or collapse when volume ticks up. Think if one firm across the board, you know, what is what is Schwab has what somewhere in along the lines of X trillion under management, something crazy. I, not, not uh, maybe not. I, I, what did I read read the other day? I can't even remember off the top of my head what it was, but it was a stupid amount of money. And think if twenty five percent of nor normal ordinary people just started selling. You don't have the bids. It goes back to the conversation that we had before when we talked about bank stocks going bidless. You don't have the bids. And if that's Merrill, if then J P Morgan, and then Morgan Stanley, the, it's just. It's just easier for them 
to say just hold and sell the mantra, the narrative that you can't time it. Because if if they really started to recommend selling, the, the whole thing kind of unwinds. There aren't enough bids to take care of the, the, the sales. So that's why market, that's why vo when volume accelerates, markets typically bids fall out. And that's why they've implemented, you know, circuit breakers to the downside, right? When you have, it's, they don't complain when things are going up. They complain when things are going down, right? We see people literally a week and a half ago, we literally saw grown men cry on TV about interest rates and SIVB. And now you see people bidding up Ripple and, and Litecoin. I mean, it, it is so emotional of a business for, for many people that that's what they resort to. They literally cry on TV. Bill Ackman it's 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 one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. Not a grown man crying. I've I've cried numerous times, and I cried at my brother's funeral. I I you know, I get it. But seriously, guys, I mean, it's it just it goes to what Keith talks about. So few have a process, and those who are trying to learn the process should really get knee deep in the process, as opposed to as opposed to blaming people as to why they're losing money because they don't necessarily understand the process or, or do the work. Does that make any sense? Thousand percent. Robert, did you see this conversation go in this direction when we started? <laughs> I did not. And I was just going to, like, this is how Hedron Nation is amazing because it's not like I prompted you guys, Hey, can you, uh, can you, uh, can you do your best job to, to, to shine a positive light on Hedron? Uh, it's just very oh, organic. It, 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 no, it's just very organic. Now, this is not organic. This is going to be a, sh a shit segue, but Hedgehog Live is in the month. Uh, and I posted... Shameless I posted, plug. Yeah, shameless plug. Hedgehog Live, our premier conference is in the month. And uh, uh, folks like, you know, Mark Cotis and, 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 uh, and Mike Green are going to be there. Mike Taylor, Nancy Davis, Daniel DiMartino Booth. Uh, the list is quite, quite long. Um, but yes, if you're interested... It's here in Stanford, in Connecticut. It's going to be an awesome event. Uh, it's actually the way I met other side asset management for the first time, Mitchell in person. Even though we've had we've had many conversations on, uh, you know, uh, here on Twitter and online, et cetera, et cetera. So awesome event, great, great uh, opportunity to to kind of come and and have these conversations in in person. So just want to throw that out there. And then second of all in terms of uh, writing that is excellent and also comes from a place of, uh, of uh, a very positive light. Um, you know, Hedgeye has great research, but uh, Mitchell at Other Side Asset Management, he writes a monthly letter and we actually posted his last, um, his most recent uh, letter for, that was for March, right, buddy? Um, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, it was my March. March, yeah. uh, so that went up. Uh, so that's actually on our website as well as his website. So by all means, go check that out. It's an absolutely fantastic uh, piece of literature if you want to um, uh, get that on a monthly basis. Uh, he's got an email um, component that you can go check out. But I believe the plan is to kind of post that on our site moving forward as well because we find it's incredibly uh, well-written and valuable information and uh, information that investors need to be uh, conscientious about and, and have access to. So uh, that is partnership, yeah, so that's been that, awesome. That, that was a very humbling ask, uh with, when when the guys reached out to me, extremely humbling. I think the nice part about I, I hate talking about myself. Um, I, I do think the nice part about the my note 
relative to Hedgeye is I try to simplify the data. I try to talk like I try to make sure that we understand the data in a context of simple examples or examples that almost anybody can understand. So if you're, you know, if you're more new to it, if you're intermediate to it, you, A, it's the data, it's driven by the data, which obviously Hedgeye is, I think, the, the best data out there uh, in terms of aggregators of. And, you know, it, it just, it, it allows people to kind of conceptualize. So it's kind of funny when Keith talked about the, uh, when he released the sinkhole example mm -hmm. uh, today, I'm like, I wrote about that in 2018. <laughs> I mean, like I use I use the sinkhole analogy, you know, about the surface, you know, the everything underneath the surface is cracking, cracking, cracking and the surface area is the last to cave in. Right. So yeah. I didn't even know about Hedgeye in 2018. But, you know, when you when when you, you start to you Past start to about the Lorax and the gray wolf, it was great. Yeah, I I, I, I try to bring some stuff in to, to make the analogies enjoyable for the reader, plus, you know, the data, the data, the data, the data. But Absolutely. I appreciate Hedgeye including me and, and, you know, people taking a look and reading. And it is a little bit longer than than most of the Hedgeye stuff because I'm I'm writing once a month. Right. So yeah, yeah. I'm just allowing my clients and then prospects or, you know, just anybody in general, because it's not behind a paywall to to basically see what's going on month over month right and and that, that's what makes it a little bit longer but yeah cool cool and, and robert my last comment is yeah. <clears throat> what what one of the things that i like about hedge eye that i don't i don't do this but i, I will probably when quad four is over is um, i get all the the call emails right and and in there it'll give the the top it'll say tickers discuss and in green is the longs and reds the shorts uh, you could literally um you know, just with the heads eye analyst research, do your own little miniature mutual fund. You know, I'll, I'll give away one because it's pretty simple, right? Like I'm looking at the email, right? Long McDonald's. Wow, right? McDonald's. Um, so you literally could, <laughs> if you don't like uh, the macro part of buying ETFs and things and you really wanted to get more granular, you can do that. And um, I know a lot of people, uh, uh, in terms of access and asking questions, I actually ask a lot of questions in particular to Rob Simone, um, on MPW and do a lot of research on MPW. And, um, that's what I, I like is you can do individual tick, uh, tickers through the, 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 the research side. And, um, you know, if you're long only, you can, you can just do the long onlys and do individual companies as opposed to an ETF. So I think that's something that, a lot of people don't take advantage of on the retail side. Maybe they do on institutional. I'm not aware of, but um, that's just uh, my two cents. And Robert, before I hop off, one last thought to you as well. Right. Uh, I, I tie on to the shameless plug for Hedge I Live. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was kind of funny because um, you know you and I sat down. And uh, we sat down with Chris in the in the lobby, and it was just the three of us sitting around shooting the breeze. Yep. And before and before you knew it, we had fifteen strangers just talking, right? Yep. Just all talking, all talking shop, exchanging. Hey, oh, uh, oh, you're such and such handle. You're such, you know. And it it just it was a great reviewing uh, the notebook. Place. It, that's exactly right. So it was basically doing this, but face to face in person. We all had our notebooks out, and we were all talking 
talking shop and you get a bunch of guys who are all uh, gals too. Leslie was there yeah, and you get, yeah. a, you get a bunch of people there who are all trying to just get better and understand the process, learn the process and get away from the, the narrative, which is what we all were trained on. Right. So it takes a lot of work to get away from the, the, the BS. And once you have a better understanding of why we get away from it and what they do, you know, you, you, you'll want to learn this. Pro- I, I want to learn this process more and more every day. Right. So I do Absolutely. have to hop. I have, uh, I have no, we're gonna, a we're little gonna wrap one. up. No, I appreciate it. I, no, it's a good. Good way. No, I have enjoy. Um, I don't know if you got gymnastics tonight, but uh, have fun and I appreciate your commentary, Brian, Tim, uh, Pokey. It's been uh, it's been it was a good session today. And in terms of the individual stocks, we did put on the pitch on Tuesday morning. That's absolutely free from a webcast standpoint. If you haven't caught that yet, by all means, go check that out. And uh, I've been putting on some Specter Head. Uh, spotlights with with the team here so uh, i should say you know we've been putting it on uh we've been putting it on with the with the sector head so brian just along those same lines and sitting down with guys as i mentioned last week was was felix wang i sat down with, with emily evans from the health policy standpoint uh tom tobin you know freebird todd jordan etc cetera, etc cetera. i've actually got daryl jones tomorrow which should be a lot of fun he's the the head of um like research and 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 institutional sales so it will be a bit of a different conversation, but it should be a really wonderful one. He's got a, a quite a quite a, a breadth of history um, in terms of both working on, you know, PE, VC, uh, inside of hedge funds, on the sell side research. He's uh, he's been um, kind of all over, let let alone also knowing Keith all the way back from uh, their teenage days. So uh, should should be a really great conversation. Uh, but check those out; those are all free on on the Hedge TV YouTube channel. Um, and the, and yeah, so uh, that we will leave it at that. I thank you again for everyone's participation. Uh, and thanks, Robert. Uh, good, yeah, absolutely. Good luck out there. We'll be back uh, this time next week, uh, Wednesday, four thirty. And tomorrow night we got Muni guy. We're gonna be talking Muni bonds, baby. Get ready, Amen, get brother. Popcorn. Get your popcorn ready. And since Brian's from Kentucky, maybe a little bourbon or I like or it. Something you know, just uh, come, come one, come all. Uh, I'll share the spaces invite here in a few minutes. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. Don't forget to check out HedgeEye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at HedgeEye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by HedgeEye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. HedgeEye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.